John with Ubaldi Reports. And always, always with me is my great friend and co-host, Joe Bitts. Now, there's a lot to talk about today. And obviously, the central theme of this podcast is going to be the election results last night in both Virginia, um, New Jersey, and other parts of the country. So that's going to be the crux of the issue. Now, if you have any questions, you can chime in. And we'll try to answer your questions. And if you really want to get engaged at the end, just hold off. And then we can go back and forth at the end of the podcast. So, Joe, what did you think of? Why is this election so important, John? Well, it's important because it's always the bellwether. Now, it's it's typically an off election season because it's the first year of a presidential candidate. But it's also right before the midterms, and they're looking at this, that this is a bellwether for the midterms. Okay, so it's just kind of like maybe what they're going to expect in 2022. Correct. And I guess through what they saw in Virginia and New Jersey, how we got the outcome yet with New Jersey? Well, New Jersey just came over, and it looks like they're they're giving it to the Governor Murphy just by a few, a few De- votes. Democrat or Republican? He's a Democrat. But since he... Lost with such a little margin that is going to get that's kind of sending off some flags. Well, it is. And in, and in New Jersey, New Jersey's law is a little different. There is no automatic recount. Now, the challenger, whoever lost, this would be the Republican. He can request an automatic recount, but he would have to pay for that himself. OK, so right now and that, it, the reports just came over the wire just recently. So I don't know if the. Uh, Republican challenger Jack Shiraselli is going to challenge it. So, so we don't know. But it, in all respect, this race shouldn't even been close. Patrick Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, should have won in um, handily. Yeah, because Joe Biden won the state by 16 points over Donald Trump. Yeah, Virginia by 10. Yeah, and that was over a year ago. So. How did it go that he lo- he was just barely squeaked by? And a lot more people are, are dissatisfied with the economy. You had some of the COVID, most strictest COVID lockdowns. But New Jersey is one of the most unfriendly business states in the country. So people are just tired. They want better quality of life, and they're not getting it. With all the money they spend on taxes, they're not getting anything back. And there, Now, it was a little different in Virginia. Well, the central theme was education, and education crosses party lines. If yeah. you look at every county that should have really done, gave, um, uh, what do you call it, Terry McAuliffe easy margins. I mean, he won in the Democratic strongholds, mm-hmm. but it was far less than the previous governor who um four years ago, and it was less than Joe Biden received in 2020. So he underperformed, and Glenn Youngkin overperformed in a lot of those states. And he didn't bring any surrogates. Like, he accepted Trump's endorsement, but he didn't campaign with Donald Trump. He didn't campaign with Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House. He didn't bring any of the big heavyweight Republicans in. It is all on his own. Now, if you look at Barack Obama, you know, Terry McAuliffe, he brought in everybody. He brought in the Ob- the Obamas. He brought in the, the both Bidens. He brought in Kamala Harris. At the end, she did a campaign event in Norfolk in the historically um, African-American areas. 
So remember back in, oh, it was a couple of years ago, where the governor of Atlanta, he was running against Stacey Abrams. And Stacey Abrams, they brought in like Will Ferrell. And I think cool. they brought a bunch of people in to kind of canvas the area for those for that for for her and it just it didn't work and well, it didn't because there was a former democratic governor and i think his name was wild wilder I, I, and i can't think of his name he was the first african-american i apologize my listeners not getting his name right first african-american um governor in the commonwealth of virginia in its history mm-hmm. and what he said is Terry McAuliffe brought in people and they were telling you how to vote. They never said, why should you vote for me? Yeah. And what Terry McAuliffe did is he tried to nationalize it, that saying Glenn Youngkin was a, a Trump, a Trumper. A very, it was, everything was about Trump. Everything he said, everybody, and even Joe Biden came in, it was everything about Trump. And speeches they gave, they spoke about Trump like dozens and dozens of times. And I think people got turned off. It's like, well, why should I vote for you? Yeah. And then the other issue was parent involvement, which was the turning point of the race is in the, de- the debate in September when Terry McAuliffe said parents have no say in the curriculum that is being taught their children. Well, that infuriated the kids or the, I mean, the parents because they're seeing critical race theory being taught. Now, Terry McCullough doubled down and said ter- critical race theory is not being taught in the schools. And the media, like on MSNBC, CNN, they kept playing up that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not teaching that. And that's, and to me, that's false reporting. And it violates the central tenet of, of, of ethics and journalism was being accurate in your work when documents had surfaced that the Commonwealth of Virginia Department of Education was, in fact, teaching critical race theory. And it began in 2015 Mm -hmm. under the the governorship of Terry McAuliffe. So were they expecting a loss? Is that why they brought all the big guns out? Did they kind of see this? Or was it kind of just like, were they blindsided by this? I think they were blindsided. I don't think Terry McAuliffe thought that he would lose. And if you look at it, why would he? And last time there was a Republican governor, what, 13, 13 years ago? Yeah. They haven't had a statewide race, went Republican in 13 years. They control every facet of the Virginia, gov- Virginia government. They had the biggest counties, like Fairfax County is the most populous county. Mm-hmm. So they figured they would win. And then they would do the same adage that if they get challenged, you just th- throw the race card out. Well, when they looked at the exit polls and they talked to voters, voters were turned off by the race. Yeah. Even a lot of African-Americans were turned off by the racial charge at every instance. Mm-hmm. Now, as an example, the, the lieutenant governor, the current, no, excuse me, the current governor-elect is an African-American female from Jamaica. Okay. She was a former Marine. She Bro. has a master's degree. She was in the... This, the state legislature of, of Virginia, they dismissed her. Where do they get off saying that the, this governor won because of racism? Or Well, but see, the Democrats are so tied to that moniker. If they can't attack you on policy, yeah. because race has a very negative connotation. It, it's very polarizing. 
And if you notice that any time they disagree with the Republican, they say you're racist. Uh And they've been so caught up in this white supremacy issue. Look at all the pundits on CNN, MSN, and many of the other media affiliates. They're so caught up that every white person is a white supremacist and everybody is a follower of the, they say the dog whistle, as Van Jones said on CNN, the Delta variant of Donald Trump. Yeah. And they're not seeing that their policies are failing. Now, if you're a Virginia voter and they failed the adage of Tip O'Neill, the former Democratic Speaker of the House in the 70s and early 80s, who was very liberal, and he said all politics is local. So if you're a family and you go go to the grocery store, you see higher prices. You go fill up your tank of gas because you got to commute to work, you see higher gas prices. You see higher inflation. Everywhere you go, everything is costing more and more. And nothing the Democrats have done in these last 10 months has alleviated or have an answer to higher inflation, higher gas prices, higher food prices, and to fix the supply chain shortage. So is this like, mm, okay, by just by Virginia winning, is this just like one of those small battles that kind of will turn the tide eventually? Or is by Virginia, or by a Republican, or by Virginia turning red, is that going to be significant right now? It's significant right now for this because they're getting ready to pass the infrastructure and the, the human infrastructure, which $1.7 trillion. Now, the moderates are starting to think if they lost Virginia in a blue state and almost lost in a super blue state of New Jersey, what does that portend for my state or my, my district or my political career? So now the moderates in the House, because Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic speaker, she wants to move a vote on infrastructure without having it been, uh, not, yeah, on infrastructure, with I mean, infrastructure, their spending bill, without having it been scored by the, the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan group. Mm-hmm. Now, they can do that, but in the Senate, that has to be scored by the CBO. So they want to find, the moderates want to know is, is it really $1.7 trillion? As Joe Manchin, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, he says it's probably not. Because when you take all their social spending they want to do and all their entitlement programs, they say, oh, it'll last for, let's say, three years. And then after the third year, we can elect to keep it or let it go or sunset it out. But it's never going to be sunsetted out. So is the maybe is education now maybe – something that the Republicans should kind of like grab onto and start pushing that agenda. You know, just how like Democrats usually focus on racism or, you know, about, you know, the economy. If the, you know, if the Republicans focus on education and what the reds or these blue states are trying to do to those children's education, you think that would kind of turn it up? It was told that like in a poll that, a uh, majority of women that voted for Biden were middle-aged white women. And they were, those are the ones that tend to have the kids in the school. So the pandemic kind of introduced them more into their education because they were kind of forced into it. So maybe that would just kind of turn the tide. But see, the, the, the women that voted for the suburban women that voted for Joe Biden did so because they were repulsed by Donald Trump. 
Now you fast forward to now. Education crosses party lines. It crosses economic lines. Everybody wants quality education because they know that's the surest way to a better paying job or a surest way out of poverty. And I think the the Republicans have now shown the rural areas are going to be Republican. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. And the urban core tends to be Democrat. Now the big fight is the Republicans won suburbia suburbia yeah. in 2016, lost them in 2018, and it looks like they gained them back, at least in Virginia and probably in New Jersey as well. So if the Republicans are want to move forward with this, they need to understand that education crosses these lines, and this is a way to show that you're, you support quality education, giving parents school choice, having parents have a say what is taught in their schools, but also quality of life meaning they want a better economy. They want to be able to access good-paying jobs. They want to keep prices low. They want to keep fuel prices low. Because if you pay, like in Tampa, around two thirty a gallon, excuse me, three thirty a gallon and for, for regular gas, but diesel is almost $3.70, 70% of all long-haul truckers use diesel fuel. Mm-hmm. So if the if the trucking company's fuel costs have gone up, that means they got to tr- roll that prices over to somebody else. Yeah. And like I've said many times, I work at Chick-fil-A. The general manager says his fuel costs have gone up because he's having to pay his distributors and his suppliers more money and all the other products have gone up. So that eats into his cost. Then he has higher utility costs. And we're going to see 50% for just a mild winter, higher fuel costs for the Northeast. What happens if it's a much cooler winter? If we have like a, a polar vortex that we had a couple of years ago, what happens then? Well, Texas is going to freeze and then people are going to be pissed again. Well, but in the Northeast, they rely on natural gas. Now, there's an unsubstantiated report that Russian natural gas was, giving, was being um, imported into the United States. I'm still trying to verify that, but even U.S. natural gas, we're considered the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, Mm -hmm. but we can't use it. Now, President Biden went to the Glasgow Climate Change Conference, and he's asking Saudi Arabia and Russia and OPEC to produce and up its production quotas to get more energy onto the market to drive down costs. But he won't do anything to establish American independence in energy, which we had last year. So um, a little side note, and we'll kind of go back to this, but a few, I, I think it would be a few weeks or months ago, maybe even like a year ago, where it was a Jerry Nadler, uh, Republican. Uh, Democrat. Yeah, the Democratic ha- congressman. Ha- very, very, A very big fellow, right? Did you ever hear about his mm, sharding incident? Is what sharding incident? No, you know, do you know what a shard is? No. Okay, picture it's like when you pass gas, but instead of passing gas, it's kind of mixed in with a little bit of what happens is like you know the aftermath of you know farting. Okay. Okay. So it's called a shard, and there was one part where Jerry Nadler actually had this happen. 
And you could actually see, like, some of the video where this House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she kind of catches it, and you just start her seeing her slowly eek to the side because of the smell. The smell. Okay. Let's fast forward over to the uh, president's visit with the Pope. Okay. I've did you heard, did heard, you hear this? I heard that where okay. he kind of soiled himself. Yes, where he soiled himself. So, is it at all possible? That these Democrats are so full of shit that it's actually starting to come out. <laughs> it could be. It could be. But it's. But the big thing, on a serious note, it's the policies yeah. that they're pursuing. They're Joe Biden ran and campaigned. I'm a moderate. I'm the competent one. Yeah. The grownups are back in the room. So then he gave his um, inaugural address in January and said. I'm going to bring civility back. I can reach across party lines. I'm going to bring people together. Yeah, and who did he do? What kind of crowd did he do that in front of? He done it through the American people. No, he did it through a crowd of nobody. Nobody was there at the the inauguration. No, there were people there. But, I mean, he did it in a way not as big as it normally would be in a regular time. Yeah. But he did it in a way that he said he was going to cross party lines. You know, he's going to build that – bipartisanship and he hasn't done it he's just gone so far to the left embraced every leftist i um, agreement even the stimulus i'm um, excuse me the the infrastructure deal they did a bipartisan agreement he comes out within an hour and says i'm not signing this until i get the 3.5 trillion dollar spending plan yeah and so now they and there's a lot of pundits and there's a lot of people are saying Maybe things could have been different if you went for the win and got the bipartisan agreement on infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But when you lumped them all together, you may not get any of it. He could have gone like small battles, like maybe slowly get them back. I mean, it, <clears throat> but see, Joe, it's not it's not too it's not too uncommon for you to kind of. Give a little bit, but the more you give, the more they're kind of coming in, and then you just kind of get them right in their folds, and then you're like, all right, I got you now. Yeah, but see, the thing that Joe Biden could have done is what did people need to do? The economy was coming back. Yeah. He makes it sound like it was on its death. It was coming back. Mm-hmm. His job was simple. Get the, the vaccines out to everybody. Get the economy open. And things would have worked itself out, but he didn't do that. So, in a sense, okay, if you were to say right off the bat, if he never signed the uh, Keystone Pipeline axing that deal, had he done something with the immigration policy, even if when the immigration crisis came about, if he, he and Kamala went down there just to kind of look at it, if he didn't push this vaccine, if he didn't mandate this vaccine, if he wasn't so adamant about, you know, he, if he kind of cut it off at like July saying, all right, COVID, it's, it's over. It's still there. Just be careful, people. No more masks, no more this. And was able to kind of handle the crisis. He would be a okay president. Or what he could have, or, or on, on ducktailing on that, if he would have came in on this on immigration and before he made his announcements that this is what he was going to do. Yeah. He could have looked at the policy and just did it. What did it look like? It was working. It was working. Mm-hmm. They had twenty thousand apprehensions, and now we have one point in a month. Now we have upward of two hundred thousand a month, and we're up to one point seven 
million apprehensions in the year for the year. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, had he maybe let the generals handle the extraction process of Afghanistan? Well, if, it would look a little bit. He would look a little bit better. See, and I think that was the first instance when they saw that a major thing issue, and he fumbled it. And then it was the next thing, and the next thing, and like the, like the vaccine. First, he's against mandating vaccine. Now he's for it. First, he says you you can you can once you're vaccinated, then you're good. You can go about your life. Now he says, even if you're vaccinated, you still got to wear a mask. You still got to do this. And yeah. So everybody's like up in arms. Then he said uh, during the campaign, I'm going to fo- get a team. We're going to go into China to find out what happened. He's never mentioned it about what China's complicit nature in the origins of the COVID-19. Or was it John, Or was it maybe was it just China saying, eh, no, you can't come in here. But the rhetoric by Biden, he said, I will fix it. I will end COVID. He makes it sound like I'm fixing it. And it's going to happen, and it doesn't. Yeah. So when you make those pronouncements, people think you're going to do it. And he just lo- – then by not holding press conferences, like I watched one today, he just took about four or five questions, and they were all softball questions. The media – like one reporter from PBS, she talks about, well, the Republicans are lying on critical race theory. Well, that's been debunked. Yeah. And it's a it, – I'm still wondering why – the federal government is funding PBS. If they're just going to put out partisanship news, they're no longer a news station. Mm-hmm. So there's a way to cut the budget right there. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, but it, but right now they're still moving forward. They still think they we just didn't become progressive enough. We got to pass these bills. Yeah. And even Larry Summers. The tre- like I mentioned earlier, the Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton and Senior Economic Advisor to Barack Obama said, all you guys are doing is you guys pass this massive spending, you're going to get inflation, it's going to be here to stay. And that's a hidden tax on the American taxpayer. Well, we heard somebody on TikTok, I forget his name, but you kind of did a stitch with it, about him saying, what would you change about the government? You know, if you had one, you know, one way. And he was just kind of mentioning how one bill should have that, that one thing on it. And that's it. That's it. And I think that's kind of like, but the thing is, is that a lot of people like adding what they like to call pork to it, because in order for them to vote for it, they want a little piece for them. It just seems like being a politician now is just like, what are you going to give me Versus Correct. kind of like coming in as a team, and they're they're not looking out for America, and I, no. I think that's I wouldn't want to I want to say that's on both sides. That's no, not, that is side. on both sides. You know where they don't they're like it's it turned into you know these are the people that you're supposed to represent, but yet the, for the people that you're representing, you're kind of like what are you going to do for me? Well, and then, and then the answer should be nothing. We're you're here for us. Well, like an example was Hurricane Sandy. Okay, Every, they they voted on it. And they had so much pork into that. Mm-hmm. Relief money went to Alaska. Well, as far as I know, yeah, hurricanes was, was New Jersey. <laughs> doesn't hit Alaska. Yeah. But the gentleman was correct. It's just like the, the example that I used is the Affordable Care Act. Once they passed that, a writer went a couple weeks later. That was when they nationalized the student loan debt program. And it, the, the schools were, were – um, not obligated to deal anything with student debt, and they 
freedom up to spend, to raise tuition as much as they wanted because they know students wanted to go to college and the federal government would back that student the student loan debt. Awesome. Hey, you know what? I got a people a couple people from high school watching us right now. Well, there you go. And they would probably look back and be like, "I would never think this guy would be talking about this stuff." Yeah, I'm t- <laughs> for those people went to Joe's high school, I think the same way when I talked to Joe. <laughs> That's why they gave me like a crayon and a piece of paper asking me to join the military yeah, and join the Marines at that. <laughs> But there's, it'll be interesting as the weeks go on, especially as this month, then we've got Thanksgiving. So everybody's going to see higher prices when they get all their ta- Thanksgiving fixings. So at least get their – and then you got to forget – don't forget the 3rd of December, the debt ceiling's got to be raised. Okay. The 3rd of December? That's when they've got to have it done. So Aaron kind of brought up some – okay, my wife brought up something very interesting is that – People might just be holding out, waiting to quit their job at the right time. And like retail is definitely going to be like that kind of area. I mean, what do you mean? Well, you know, the mandates kicking in and stuff like that, you know, and they're probably going to try to kind of exempt. If you work in retail, you know, from November, you know, the day after Thanksgiving to, you know, the day of Christmas, you know, you're working your butt off. You think? Yeah, like, you know, 17, 18 hours a day, you're going to be busy as well. And, you know, they're not going to shorten their staff, but, you know, that might just be a good way. They're calling it the great resignation or something like that. Yeah, and it could be right. I work retail. I work at a, um, a fast food restaurant. Yeah. The two the uh, the day before Halloween and Halloween that was almost twelve hour day for me because mm-hmm. we were swamped. That's the, I don't understand, but that's the busiest catering job for them that year because everybody is wanting catering done instead of like Thanksgiving and Christmas where they'll cook. Yeah, this way they want some catering done so they don't have to do anything, and we were swamped. Yeah, but you could be right and. All these generous benefits, like the, the child tax credit. Mm-hmm. I've talked to family with kids. They, they accept it. They'll take it. So what's going to happen when they have to get rid of it? They have to end it. Yeah. Are they going to? And this is what Manchin has been saying. Are they going to be able to do it? And the cost is going to go up exponentially. So we did mention a little bit of something off camera, but I think we, it's due to mention it here is that the I guess the family FMLA or Family Medical yeah, Leave Act, and uh, they were saying so the way it worked for me because I work at a government job or federal job or whatever they want to call it, I do, I put mail in boxes, but um, it's like what I thought or what they what it was is like if I had these this leave on the books, I could take the leave as an emergency and they would just kind of like write it off under FMLA. I don't know if they would give it to me back or not. I just know that I was able to use it, no questions asked kind of thing. But now they're like, hey, we want to give people a leave. And then they were talking about how Europe or is using their leave, like where they give, I think it was up to 44 days of full well, paid. And then after 44 days, it's just kind of like it's half pay after that. Yeah, I would have to. I know Europe has a very generous family medical leave. Yeah. Or family leave. And it's not just for those who are having a baby. It's for those who have, you have alien parents, you yeah. have a, a, a medical, whatever it is. The problem is, it's just like Italy. Italy has 22 weeks of paid family leave. Okay. But they have a very low labor participation rate. Mm-hmm. Even the generous benefits given in Europe, their economic 
output or their GDP is low. Mm-hmm. It's very stagnant at maybe one, if that, almost 2%. That's yeah. nothing. Yeah. So their demographical changes where they have a very slow birth rate, where they have an aging population with low birth rate, so they're not going to be able to afford to pay for these general generous benefits because there's less workers putting into the system. Like what kind of benefits do they have in, I don't know, China? China doesn't really have – they have some, but not a lot of programs like we're used to for, like, for those who are getting older. Now, they have – Almost 400, 400 million people who are aging. Mm-hmm. That's in the enti- well more than the entire population of the United States, but they don't have the benefits, the governmental safety net that we have. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to deal with that issue coming up. And they also have a low birth rate. Come in the next, I think, few years, China is not going to be the most populous country. It's going to be India. Yeah. So – be careful what you wish for. You're just going to get it. Yeah. So what do you want to leave with the viewers and listeners? Well, one is just keep following Ubaldi Reports. We, we keep doing these podcasts that we stream on TikTok. You can also follow the podcast and all the streaming sites. Also, I just want to let you know, if please let us know what you think, either on this or other platforms. You can go to Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. And TikTok, leave some messages, what you think, and we'll try We'll try to answer them. And and how many times have you checked that uh, Ubaldi report? I got to check it. I checked it a couple of days ago. It wasn't much, but I mean. Not much. Was there anything? There's, uh, no. Or was it just like a bunch of, hey, let's improve your SEO? Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, trying to do that. But if you want to leave messages, go to Ubaldi reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi reports at gmail.com. Okay. Everybody have a great day, and we will talk to you later. All right. Take it easy. Keep following your Baldy reports.